Hello and a warm welcome to Search for Truth and thanks for tuning in. We have the penultimate talk today in our series called Nothing But Christ Crucified. Brian, our Bible teacher, has been looking into issues and practices of the early church as recorded by the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the church in Corinth. After looking at the lovely chapter 13 last week, Brian turns his attention, or rather the Apostle Paul does, to the topic of spiritual gifts. It's an interesting topic, so let's look into it now. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 with Brian. Thanks, John. Yes, after the delightful digression on the theme of love in chapter 13, the Apostle Paul now returns to his continuing topic of spiritual gifts and their correct use within the local church at Corinth. In order to see the connection, let's rewind briefly to the last section of chapter 12, where he says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. As we've seen, the more excellent way was for love to direct the use of the gifts. The question is asked, were some of these gifts designed to be foundational and temporary? It's beyond dispute there are no apostles today in the New Testament sense. What's more, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 informs us that the purpose of the sign gifts mentioned here was to endorse the witness of the apostles a purpose which can therefore no longer exist. The overall biblical pattern is that each phase of God's working opens with a burst of miracles which marks its beginning and lasts about two generations. From the point of view of building up the church, Paul explains that some gifts are more important than others. He wants the Corinthians to desire to give those particular gifts greater prominence over the more showy ones. Now, in chapter 14, Paul gives more guidance. He says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind, so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, 
but prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. The fact that Paul saw the gift of tongues at Corinth to be a secondary fulfilment of the Isaiah prophecy, whose first use had been to predict the threat posed by Assyrian invasion and Judah's ultimate capture by the Babylonians, the fact that Paul sees the tongue-speaking at Corinth to be a second fulfilment of that scripture is quite striking. And it would helpfully clarify for us that the significance of these sign gifts was focused on God speaking to or convincing the Jews, who are the ones being described originally as this people. When we trace the few and isolated occurrences of the gift of tongues in the book of Acts, we find confirmation of this in terms of the proselytes gathered in Acts chapter 2, Peter's Jewish preaching companions in Acts chapter 10, who required to be convinced that God was now accepting Gentiles, and also John the Baptist's Jewish disciples in Acts chapter 19. Tongue-speaking marked out each of these historic, never-to-be-repeated events in the history of a developing Christian faith. Now, chapter 14, verse 26 goes on to say, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognise that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognise this, he is not recognised. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Again, opinions have differed on the intended meaning of this further section of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Bible states here that women are not permitted to speak when the church gathers together as a church, plainly seeming to say that it's not given to women to take the lead in any church service in any audible, authoritative way. This agrees with what we find in 1 Timothy chapter 2. A woman must quietly receive instruction, Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach. Perhaps the first comment we should make is that this text appears in all known manuscripts, so it's hard to minimise the force of these verses. 
There again, it surely has to be accepted that the statement, they are not allowed to speak, takes the form of an absolute rule. So what about the application of this text? Is it limited to the evaluation of prophecies only? That is, is Paul saying that women may not participate in the oral weighing up of such prophecies, as he's been dealing with in the immediate preceding context? Suppose we accept that view for a moment. How then can this view, which usually also understands Paul to permit women to audibly prophesy in a church setting, how can this view at the same time propose that Paul now forbids them the seemingly lesser task of weighing up prophecies? The clearer point is that these women were in learning mode. Verse 35 says they desire to learn. They were learning and not performing a critical or editorial function with regard to freshly delivered prophecies. For Paul is at pains to ensure that the restriction which he is making doesn't mean that the women cannot learn. This implies that it was a learning activity in which they were engaged, not the activity of publicly weighing up prophecies. Paul's summing up actually begins at verse 26, where he says, What is the outcome then? And from verse 26, he goes on to give practical guidelines for the ordering of both the gifts of tongues and prophesying when the early New Testament churches assembled together. Various in-church speaking roles are then listed in terms of exclusively masculine pronouns until Paul begins to address the women folk in verse 34. And then it is in order to explicitly confirm that they are not permitted to speak. But, you may well ask, does this prohibition on women speaking not contradict 1 Corinthians 11 verse 5? In what sense is the woman there said to be praying or prophesying? The only possible reconciliation with the praying and prophesying women of chapter 11 verse 5 is to understand these women as being part of the overall church company which was engaged in praying and prophesying, but which they specifically and personally were not permitted to lead audibly. After all, the Bible describes women present at the breaking of the bread to be collectively worshipping, although silent, being equally part of the holy priesthood. The suggestion that this whole comment merely addressed some Corinthian women who had a tendency to be noisy cannot be taken seriously. For we must surely ask why, in that case, does Paul ban all women from talking? And were there no noisy men? Since Paul's rule operates in all the churches, notice verses 34 and 35, then it would be necessary to assume that all first-century Christian women were noisy in a way which disturbed church services then, and that's obviously nonsense. Some think Paul was advocating a practice unique to Corinth, which means we can legitimately ignore it. Nothing, however, could be further from the truth. Corinth was being asked to come into line with what all the other New Testament churches were already doing. Paul says, are you the only people the word of God has reached? Paul asks if they're not troubled by the fact that all the other churches have put the same instruction into a different ecclesiastical practice. A further argument against this being a statement that speaks to the local culture only is the observation that they're not allowed to speak as the law says. By this, Paul is probably referring to the creation order in Genesis chapter 2 again. 
for it's to there that Paul explicitly turns on two other occasions when he discusses female roles in a way which agrees with what we find here. The verse in Genesis doesn't mention silence, but it does indicate that because man was made first and woman was made for man, consequently a pattern has been laid down regarding the roles which the two play. So once again, I remind you of the opportunity to send for the booklet which accompanies this series. It's useful, it gives Bible references and sources, so you can use it for further study if you wish. So if you'd like a copy, please write in. It's free of charge to obtain, but make sure to let us have your postal address. Ask for the title, Nothing But Christ Crucified, and you can order by email or by post. And here are our contact details. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. I'll repeat that. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY. UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio uh, MP3 versions or podcasts. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can look at the list of previous talks. Uh, which have been sorted into categories to assist you uh, to find your way through. So we've come to the end of today's programme. Many thanks for your company. And next week we have the final programme in this series and uh, we hope you'll be able to join us. Uh, So until next week then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God Richly bless you. Teach me thy